welcome to this episode of the Event Manager Podcast, the podcast for event professionals who want to stay ahead of the game by hearing from the leading innovators in the event industry. My name is Miguel Neves, and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of EventMB. In this episode, titled Redefining Digital Strategy for Events, I have the pleasure of speaking with Heidi Lehine, the founder of The Mice Guru. We cover a variety of topics around digital strategy, including the importance of consciously creating a digital strategy for both events and businesses in the event industry. We talk about why event tech vendors should work collaboratively with digital event experts to help their clients create outstanding digital events. We talk about overcoming the challenges of creating engagement at digital events. We talk about how digital events can absolutely benefit venues and destinations, provided there is a well-defined digital strategy. And we talk about what kind of events can and should take on a hybrid format. I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation, and I invite you to check out the other episodes of the Event Manager Podcast. You can find all the episodes on our website, or you can subscribe through your favorite podcast service. Now for a word from our sponsors, PHL Life Sciences, a division of the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. Host your convention or trade show in Philadelphia, one of America's leading life sciences hubs. PHL Life Sciences, the first and only CVB division of its kind, will connect you to the professionals at the forefront of your industry and to a culture you can only find in Philadelphia. A city known for its rich history that's forging a bright future, Philadelphia challenges the expected and defies convention. A world of discovery is waiting. Visit phllife.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Event Manager Podcast. I'm delighted to be joined by Heidi Lehein, the uh, CEO of The Mice Guru. Welcome to the show, Heidi. Thank you so much, Miguel. It's always a pleasure talking to, to you. It, I'm so much looking forward to this, like, really. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So Heidi and I really got to know each other more during the pandemic. Uh, I think we knew each other before. And, and during the pandemic, we really... Um, the COVID pandemic, I think it's important to, to single out, uh, even though it may seem obvious at the time. Um, we really got to know each other. But Heidi, could you tell us a little bit about who you are and how did you get to be you? Yeah, of course. Um, I am the founder and chief executive guru at a company called The Mice Guru, which is a DMC or a destination management company. Or if you want to call it something else, it would be closer to an experiential incoming agency. So basically what I've been doing for the past eight years now is uh, producing all types of mice events in Norway as a destination. So that's anything from product launches and brand activations to uh, your uh, conferences and incentive trips, uh, obviously. Before that, and lived, I lived and worked in 10 different countries. So I've been immersed in all kinds of different cultures and have been working in the industry in other countries as well. And since the pandemic, uh, additionally to all of the in-person events, as many others, I took a deep dive into all things digital and went full-on virtual and hybrid with our events and took the necessary education, accreditations, etc. And that has really kind of excited me uh, because it became a lot about innovation and experimentation. And those are things that I really enjoy also to begin with, like when I design uh, projects in person as well, it comes out out of that um, creativity mode, not just delivering services, but creating concepts for clients. So this is something I got excited about as well in the digital world. And I've been doing a lot of that in the two recent years. You've been a witness of some of those projects. And uh, I've recently also started coaching not only businesses, but also individuals. That's something that people have uh, been asking me throughout the years if I would not want to do or if I didn't want to help them out in finding their way in new environments. And I've always kind of put, put it on the on the, 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 the back end or like long, long, in the long-term plan. But uh, I finally also started doing that now and I'm really very much enjoying it as well. So that's um, a bit about me. For sure. And, and how do you, what kind of, what is your focus when you, when you do the coaching? What is your, what is your main kind of area that you try to... Uh, um, you know, pass on. 
Well, for businesses, it's a lot about digital strategy. So what I call digital strategy, there's a lot of definitions of it, and I'm not saying mine is the right one. But what I call digital strategy is kind of like with the link to the events industry, but it incorporates who you are as a brand, who is your, like you start with your digital identity, then the way you communicate online, both internally and externally. So all your meetings, conferences, your communications, your marketing, which includes new ways of marketing marketing and social media, but kind of like uh, following the, the, the latest trends and, and uh, pushing it towards what is ahead in, instead of uh, being more traditional. And then also building your online communities, which I really believe is one of the most important things in this post-pandemic world now that you have strong online communities. So helping companies build those. And then, of course, the events, both in-person, virtual and hybrid included in that entire strategy. So instead of going out of an event strategy uh, and then outwards, I kind of take the bigger picture first and then put everything in inside of that digital strategy. And when it comes to personal, like individual coaching, we have kind of a, a link to that, but it's more about redefining yourself and, and who you are as a person now and where you want to go. Because I've noticed there's a lot of people who are very scared now uh, or feel incompetent. Um, they, they feel like they can't handle the new uh, world we live in or all of those new requirements and they get kind of scared or don't really know where to start in terms of what to learn and, and where to go get the required knowledge to feel comfortable again. And um, I have a, a, a few clients right now and the first one was basically a person that I've recently met and uh, she was like, I've been stalking you for days now on social media and I'm like, super mind blown like I want to know how you did all of those things and where you got the the courage and the energy from to to produce those types of events and to get there and just how just help me understand and help me do the same and that's kind of how it how it started but it it connects a lot with who you are as a person like what are your limitations and your fears so it's kind of a a nice mix um for uh, in terms of digital strategy and personal personal development. Very interesting. And and do people come to you with that idea of digital strategy in mind? Is that what they seek you out for? Or do you find that they kind of come in for something else? And then you explain to them that that's what they actually need? Yeah, I would say there's very little understanding still of <laughs> the term digital strategy of, of anything digital at all. Uh, so so let's not uh, let's stay realistic about that. But I do see that a lot of my new clients now come to me based on what they've seen uh, re uh, about the, the showcase events that I did in the pandemic, which were the digital disruptor and the digital trip. Uh, those are kind of like quite forward thinking enough events and then people have either attended them or have seen a lot of buzz around them and then they kind of somehow get faced with with a, with a project where they need to innovate or they need to add a, a, a virtual component or turn it fully hybrid and then they start thinking okay who are we going to talk to help to talk to to help us with that and then they vaguely remember all of the buzz they've seen about those events and get in touch and said, look, uh, I've seen you've done a lot of that stuff. I don't understand anything of it, but I need your help. That's kind of like a starting point that 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 I get a lot right now. Um, and other than that, of course, I will introduce it to people. But um, you have, I have my, my core business as a destination management company. I have the, the traditional clients that are finally eager to travel again and want to do their in-person uh, destination events and come to Norway. So that's basically pretty much the same as it was before. But there I would perhaps recommend in some cases to add a virtual component as well. Like I'm working towards um, uh, hybrid incentives, for example, who, that is totally new. Or we give new types of solutions when the client says, okay, we were supposed to be 1,000, but it's not going to happen. Like we want to be, uh, we want to play it safe and we want to go only 200 people. So then you would start suggesting other solutions, either virtual or a, a multi-hub type of scenario where we collaborate with other destinations, for example. So it's, it's a mix of all of those things. But when it comes to digital strategy, 
people are generally not the first ones to approach me and say, look, I need a digital strategy. That's still not, I wish it would be the case, but but it we're still not there at all. <laughs> it's probably a sort of natural progression of um, people realizing that that's what they're looking for, right? It's not necessarily the, the most obvious thing. So let yeah, me... Exactly. Uh, let me backtrack a little bit um, and, and kind of make a little bit of a tangent here. So you you have this dual role in a sense. You, you're doing incoming destination management, etc. You have the digital side as well. For people outside the industry, for sort of your friends and family, how do you explain what you do? And, and I, <laughs> I guess you know maybe maybe take those separately if if you want to. It's very tricky. Like it's even tricky explaining it to clients. <laughs> No, seriously, um, I try to stay way far away from, from the problem we all have as event professionals to have people think that you're some kind of a party planner. That's usually the first thing that comes to mind, right? And everybody gets so frustrated about it, like, no, I do more than make parties. And people have this kind of idea that producing events is the easiest thing in the world. And it's just fun. It's just fun and traveling and 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 great parties, you know? Uh I try to to flip it around and talk about uh, making a brand look good. Like I tell them, like my my job is to make companies look good, basically, and that. Um, that works in terms of um, how they communicate what they have in terms of product launches or internal communication that needs to go out, but also how they create the loyalty for their employees, etc. So if you want to keep it really basic, it's about making a company look good and retain their employees and, you know, creating that entire corporate culture through events and, and different ways of communication. I like that. I think that's very benefits focused. So uh, hopefully, hopefully it works. But would your, you know, your parents or your family would, would they describe <laughs> what you do like that? No. <laughs> But basically, um, they see all of the productions that I do kind of uh, in video format or with pictures or whatever, and they will never fully grasp what it actually means. Um, my my younger brothers do. They are quite savvy, tech savvy, and they're also, you know, in hospitality and different uh, fields, um, The the one of them at least. So so they understand the full picture of it. But but my my mother uh, would never really understand what I what it is that I do. And she doesn't have to, you know, she just wants me to be happy. And that's okay. But uh, <laughs> my friends at some point have been invited to some kind of event. And they kind of once they've attended, they, they all get back to me and go like, now I get it. Oh, my God, there's so much more to this than I thought, you know, but um, that is the case with it. every event. I think if you haven't attended, it you cannot fully grasp or understand what it's about you know even now virtually we see a lot of events and a lot of people log talking about a lot of big things but until you've been there you cannot really understand what happened and it's the same for anybody trying to understand digital strategy if all you've done is just zoom and team me teams meetings uh, for two years now then that is your vision of what a virtual event is perhaps right so so it's all about experiencing it yourself to fully understand it i think i don't think we will be ever able to to explain it 100 percent. do you think so miguel like wow how do you define your job i bet that's a tricky one as well <laughs> absolutely i mean i think um you know, editor-in-chief of event mb uh, you know for people who understand what the event industry is and what event mb is it makes sense but for my family you know, essentially, I publish content on a website. Um, you know, right? I could be called a blogger if they, if people understand what that is, or a content producer, or many other things. Right? There's a lot of things in between. But I, I wanted to get back to a point that you made, which is, you know, they don't have to understand it. And I'm, I don't know if I agree or if it's a bit of a tricky point because I feel that a lot of um, conversations around the industry are about defining the industry. Um, and kind of quantifying the industry to showcase our yeah. value. And to some extent, I feel like it's true because we have such a diverse industry. We touch on so many different areas, like you've already mentioned also HR, uh, communication, all sorts of areas that we sort of, that events can help with. And as event professionals, we get involved with in to some extent. 
But if we do we need to define the industry in your mind to then be able to make sure that we don't lose space and have a voice at the table? Or is that a completely different conversation and actually defining what we do is not necessarily um, necessary, you know? And I'd love uh, to get your take on that. I know this is a bit of a serious departure from what we were just talking about, but I think it's a, it's a, it's a valid and kind of connected point. Very, very interesting. I, I mean, this is a massive conversation. Like we could be talking about this for weeks, but yeah, I do to some extent believe that we absolutely need to define ourselves, but then more when it comes to our new environment and everything that includes virtual digital hybrid, um, in terms of the position we are taking as event professionals versus the big event tech companies that I think I'm, I'm, I'm very passionate about on, on, on defining our role in that environment and that we should not be neglected in that environment because you see those major corporations kind of flooding the market right now and, and kind of ignoring the, the event planners or even agencies but wanting to do everything on their own and then somehow along the way realizing that they might need some creative input or they, they kind of discovered that everything turns out to be copy paste and then they don't know to how to move away from that and then they might go back to event planners but still it's a very very big topic and I think that we should definitely um, raise our voices there and that on so many levels and I've tried to do that now recently more than before but on the other hand where I don't feel we should be pushing too much is when you are in touch for me it's mostly with clients but when you feel like the client or person or company does not in by any means grasp what it is that you're trying to offer or trying to achieve then that is not necessarily a good match for you so i've started to say no to many more things because i feel i am using way too much time and energy on trying to explain what it is that i'm, I'm actually trying to offer and in the end that person is still not going to be convinced so i think if you're talking digital digital strategy, virtual, hybrid, you need someone who at least is has a little bit of that mindset already in place or who started to think about possibilities of developing in that direction at least, but not someone who is totally not there and you're trying to push them into it. Uh, that's something I've learned just recently now and I've, I've really realized that I got so annoyed and frustrated all the time by hello, can you not see the times we are living in require this you know like and I got angry inside but I realized that's not the right way either it's not good for my mental health and if people don't want to go there then don't force them to go there you know so it's kind of those two sides in terms of how do I communicate what I do and 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 where is the where is the limit to trying to convince someone to do that with me and on the other hand big corporations event tech etc why are they not seeing our value or do they not want to include us in the bigger picture you know so we could talk about this for days i love that <laughs> i love that topic but uh, recently i've been talking to to a bunch of those event tech companies and you've seen some of my collaborations i'm most happy of uh, the collaboration i had with cadence because um Michael Buckley, the CEO of Cadence, was really one who who spoke out about how it was amazing to work with us and how that creativity of the event planners with their creative minds behind the events helped them to think new and to grow and to, you know, uh, make better events and better technology for the events, you know, and that's ideally how it should be everywhere but it, it is absolutely not the case like in in most scenarios the bigger players i don't need to name them uh, they are mostly 
tech savvy people and then your your uh, uh, customer relations managers or account managers but they don't necessarily have the the event professional background and then it all becomes very technical in a way and it becomes about massive sales and volume and getting those contracts where a client is forced to use the same platform over and over and over again for for i don't know how long uh, and it becomes very kind of basic and one-sided again and that's what I've been trying to go against this entire time. Like we can do better. We can be more creative. We can be more interactive. We can be more engaging. And that is literally what we need to keep doing to bring those emotions into those events, because otherwise they're just boring and they're not inspiring anybody and you're not reaching any of your goals. Right. So, yeah, very big conversation. because I can go on and talk about this forever. Are you ready to celebrate your successes in the world of meetings and events? The Skift Meetings Awards are back for 2024, recognizing the most innovative business events companies across 15 categories, and we want you to be a part of it. Winners will feature on Skift Meetings, sending a clear signal to events professionals around the world that these are partners they can rely on. The final deadline for submissions is June 11th. We encourage you to start your submission today to secure the best entry rates. For more information and to start your submission, head to live.skift.com. I think, you know, you brought up a number of interesting points. Um, I'd love to understand um, two things. Uh, so two questions. What are what what is the ideal kind of response or collaboration that you want from technology companies? You know, you mentioned that you're not getting it from any. You mentioned one that you did have a good collaboration. Uh, I wanted you to maybe describe a little bit more what that means, you know, how do, what, what does that collaboration look like in an ideal world? Um, and then mm -hmm. I also wanted you to talk a little bit about what makes an event different. You know, you mentioned that some people may be stuck in, in, in Zoom webinars or something like that as sort of the way they see a digital strategy or a digital event. Um, and how do you see, you know, a really good event? What, what are the real big differences? Uh, you know, because I believe, it's probably not about the technology alone, um, because I think there's lots of different technology options and even the simple technology sometimes can have a great impact. But what does it really mean to do that? But maybe start with with the collaboration, since you were talking about the, um, mm -hmm. the different technology companies and how you see that, you know, in an ideal world working. Yeah. I remember a while back, um, let's say somewhere halfway this pandemic, everybody was talking about working out of objectives and not out of technology. And then most of people actually took a step back and 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 kind of uh, uh, reverted back on that and changed their mind about it. I didn't. I still believe that we need to work out of objectives first and not just license an event tech uh, platform or software and then use it over and over again. I still feel that running all your events on one platform is kind of like running all your events in the same hotel ballroom, you know, like that's how I feel about it. I still believe that we need to be able to build a tech, a tech stack according to objectives and according to each client and each event. So ideally for me, I would like to be able to use all of the event tech platforms and all the technology available and integrated according to my needs every single time um, instead of being forced to use one more than another because I paid for it for a year you know this is one thing and then on the other hand I would like the event tech companies to contract uh, event planners as such as myself or any event agency to bring in the creative aspects into the events that they want to run or let's say a client wants wants to use their technology but they don't really have in-house event planners are they then going to fully say like yeah, yeah we can handle this you know we have our staff on the back end to help you out and this is basically what is happening right now everywhere right or they could contract another event agency or have a collaboration with someone to say okay we've contracted this this is our client they're using our platform you do the design right okay, this that's, is my I, that's kind of interesting because i think one thing we noticed at the not at the start of the COVID pandemic but sort of halfway through the COVID pandemic we noticed a lot of um 
tech companies um, building their kind of AV team, and some of them internally, some of them, you know, through partnerships externally, and sort of as um, planners or people buying the tools realize the need for the production quality, the need for kind of really getting the, the video quality right, there was an increase in that. Uh, but what you're saying is that there should also be um, a way or a, a kind of way of incoming clients coming to agencies and, and kind of digital event producers through the technology companies. So you're saying a lot of the clients that may not have these skills in-house are going straight to the te technology companies. And then technology companies should really um, look to match people up with the right event producers in that we're sense? Yeah, we're collaborating in new ways. And I've seen lots of incredibly poor events because people, I'm, I'm just thinking about my immediate surroundings right now here in Norway, people are addressing literally AV companies to run their events because they think that's what they do now, you know? Sound and light, that's like whatever, your hybrid production, they should be able to handle that. No, they don't. They don't have that expertise or they are not planners. They don't do all of that, but they've started kind of saying that they can deliver because you know it's it's a war to get any business uh, in the pandemic and everybody just kind of positioned themselves as as being able able to do all of that whether it's an event tech company or just a supplier i've even seen tons of hotels uh, building their own event tech platform whatever hotel platforms to run your digital hybrid events on and then who's going to do that the receptionist like no they don't have the <laughs> they don't have the staff or the skills or the expertise to be able to deliver a proper event on either side right and we don't have the technology we don't have the it staff in inside our companies to build the event tech that we need to run a successful digital event so it goes both ways and i think we've really changed the way we collaborate but there's still a lot of hurdles and a lot of difficulties um, and basically all of those suppliers that promote themselves as being able to do all of that are bringing down the general quality of all the events that get produced. It's kind of the same story as I have with destination management. You have activity providers in a destination that suddenly say, yes, we are also a DMC. We can run your events in, in Norway. No, you can't. You do duck sledding. Stop it. You know, <laughs> so basically it's the same story, just in a whole different environment. It's one supplier saying we can do everything uh, and that's a problem because that brings down the quality that means that your your clients also get disappointed and they don't come back or you you need to work so much harder to get them back uh, afterwards so I think we need to rethink how we collaborate to begin with and deliver something that has a proper quality level or design new service level agreements like what is it what are the components that are needed for each type of event and who can deliver on those components and how can we get the right team in place so right now for me we are not a massive company we are just a few people but we put together teams of freelancers based on the client and based on the account and some of them will have more event technologies some of them will have more marketeers some of them you know the focus that is required for that particular client is what we will get and i think this is really a model the model of the future where we should be much more flexible and adaptable to the situation and work together in better ways right i think that that makes sense and it that there's a lot of analogies there to to the in-person side of events where there are similar challenges as you've alluded to so i wanted mm -hmm. to explore that that second question a little bit more around you know what what really sets apart um a good you know a high quality or a well-produced digital event uh compared to an average webinar or something else like that. Yeah, I still go back to the the fact that if I can make dinner during your event, it's not exciting enough. Like I'm not engaged, I'm not inspired. I go if I can go on and do other things or work on the side, that's not necessarily a successful event to me. The successful event to me is where I cannot 
leave my screen or I'm so engaged or inspired that I literally cannot miss a single moment of it. And that can be parts of an event, like not every event needs to cater to, uh, to a person from start to end. Like if you go over multiple days or you have all kinds of different topics that your event uh, uh, is about, then of course it shouldn't be from day one to, to the end of the last day. But at least what your core interests are, there you should be literally glued to, to, to your screen and be engaged to the maximum. And, and you've seen uh, some of the stuff we've done. Uh, we try to, to kind of uh, push the boundaries in terms of the, the, the ways we communicate between the virtual and, and live audience, if you're talking hybrid. And we try to think how we can use existing technology in different and new ways to make it more exciting instead of just being staring at your screen like you need to be a part of the event um, either if it's fully virtual or if it's uh, or if it's hybrid so this is what I'm very excited about and I love innovation and I love experimenting and I think the experimentation is literally the key for any type of virtual design right now if you want to literally level up and, and increase those quality levels from just a, a, a stream or a typical broadcast type scenario because that is what most companies think a virtual event or a hybrid event is it's your live audience uh, if you're talking hybrid with just a camera on the stage and then it's streamed onto a platform and that is your hybrid component to me that is absolutely not true like for, for it to be called hybrid by definition it needs to have more interactivity and engagement and connectivity between the audiences than just some people sitting at home watching you right so it's it's about that. It's about finding ways to to get creative, and and it's the same with in person. Like, how do you make a brand stand out? Not by just showing it. It has to be experiment. Uh, it has to be experiential and immersive, whether it's in person or virtual or or both. Right. So we try to find ways to to bring that experiential factor to the forefront in the design of, of everything virtual as well. I think that's the most important thing. And we've done that with, with whatever, with augmented reality, with different types of studio variations. Um, I'm a very big fan of using live venues for virtual productions uh, because it brings so much more to, to the virtual experience. Like you can literally uh, see what is happening live and that makes it more exciting because we're also kind of like observant in a way, right? We want to see how people behave and what's happening and how people are reacting. But then I also want to get drawn into that scenario. So for example, for um, the Digital Disruptor, one of our showcase events, we we did, uh, we did um, uh, we collaborated with Twine on a, on a speed dating, but it was the first time we tried a virtual live type of uh, speed dating scenario. And I really love that. So now I'm expanding on that. So now we have we we are talking to another company and we will have lamp posts at our next event where you can go to a lamp and talk to the lamp, which will literally be someone sitting at home. You know, those types of things that keep surprising your audience in both directions is, is what I feel is a general requirement. It's not like a good to have, it's a must have because those details, are what engages your audience or makes your audience talk and go like, wow, did you see that? That was special. Hadn't seen that before, you know? And that gets connected to your brand. And I think it's crucial that we keep uh, thinking out of the, that, that creativity corner to begin with uh, in terms of, uh, of delivering better events. That's all. I think that makes a lot of sense. Just to clarify one point, do you feel that every or... You you mentioned you know if you're if I'm able to cook dinner while while your event is on, then that's not a good sign. But you also mentioned that you know it doesn't have to be the whole event. Like part of the events needs to be you know the engagement. You, you can't necessarily keep people on 100% of the time. Um, I'm a bit torn on this topic because I I I love the idea of engaging events. We try to make all our events as engaging as possible at Event MB. But I also realize that people join and, and want to access content, even live, 
Um, and because there's so much content in a virtual sense, and because there's so many kind of tasks, a lot of people will want to just sort of have content playing and hear it in the background um, and sort of get on with their day because they're sitting at their computer and they can. Um, so I'm a little bit torn in terms of trying to almost force engagement, bring people in and kind of get them to do things and just sort of acknowledge that this is the world we live in. And as long as the content is good quality and they may come back to it later, that provides them value as well. Where do you mm -hmm. stand on that? Is it, yeah. is, it, is it okay to do either or, or do you have a strong preference for, for one or the other? Yeah, I hear and feel you, of course. And it kind of depends to me on how segmented your audience is, how niche your event is. Um, uh, yeah, who, who is the audience you're talking to, right? If I'm think thinking a very big uh, virtual event that is mostly supposed to be informational, like for me, Event MB, for example, is still very informational. All event professionals want to know what is happening in the industry and they're getting data and information from your event. Events, right. So that's a whole different scenario than if you want to inspire someone to connect to a brand. Right. Uh, you have a solid brand. People already come to you to get the information they require and they can do so by whatever multitasking, but still hearing what you're talking about. Like I've been one of those people. I've even gone on walks and listened to you talk and, and you know, <laughs> it, it, uh, in the background, it can be as a podcast, as content that's just running on another screen. That's totally fine with me and, and absolutely um, correct in terms of the, the purpose it serves. But when I'm thinking about uh, in brand activations or, um, you know, product launches or uh, the the, the yearly meeting where you need to engage your employees, then I don't think that's the way to go. Then I think the entertainment component plays a huge role um, and we need to be able to reach to that deeper level of inspiration to get people excited about what it is that you're delivering but because what you're delivering is not necessarily what they are expecting to get or what they are looking to get in terms of information but it is something that from your standpoint you are trying to convey in with your delivery method, if that makes sense, right? So I'm trying to convince you or show you or get you excited about something. And then I need to do it in an exciting way. That's my, my take on things. If it's just informational, people already know what they're getting. They're already coming to you to get that then that would not be necessarily the right requirement. Uh, and I'm, I agree with you that you should not force engagement on people. So you should always have like a different levels of, of engagement. If you're doing this type of, of uh, a deep inspirational event, then you should still allow for people to participate at their own, you know, their own leisure. If they want to engage more and connect more, then they can do that, but they're not forced to do that. Uh, but yeah, both, both work in, in different scenarios. Thank you for clarifying. I think that's a, that's a great way to look at it and yeah, totally see the difference in the different types of events. All right. So I wanted to kind of shift the conversation a little bit to more big picture. Um, I think we've been talking a lot about specifics and a lot of examples and thank you for, you know, clarifying and being so, uh, descriptive in, 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 in everything that you've said so far. Where do you see kind of big challenges for the industry? We know we're at this really interesting place where we think that events are, are in-person events will are becoming uh, an option again. Uh, I think you've already participated in a few and, and I've already done some business travel where hopefully towards the end of the COVID pandemic and maybe in an endemic stage soon. Um, so in-person events are returning, uh, digital events, have been here for almost two years very strongly. Where do you see like the future and, and in terms of kind of the challenges that you think are, are, are coming up ahead, maybe something that we haven't foreseen yet? I think we're gonna we're finding ourselves at the same crossroads over and over and over again. Like we we thought already a few times that okay now we're done with this now we're moving on now we're going back to in person now we're doing this. Uh, the future is definitely hybrid. The future is definitely this. There is no correct answer if you ask me, uh, but I do believe that now. I mean. Um, 
I can I can see around me that companies are less hesitant to to start meeting in person again, and I can see requests coming in from international clients wanting to come and have their events in Norway. So I'm super excited about that, but also very cautiously excited because I've been excited before. <laughs> so uh, basically. <laughs> I do believe that we're going to see a lot more in-person events. And I do believe that people kind of are very eager right now to just for a moment at least drop everything digital. Uh, they want to be there face to face and they want to hug you and smile and have a chat and have a drink and be a part of a, an environment together in a live setting. Um, and that includes me. I enjoy meeting people. I'm still a very social person. I love meeting people also like away from my screens, right? But the, comp the companies and the large corporations especially have realized that they can reach a lot of their goals digitally. And so they've uh, reimagined the way they do a lot of things and especially those smaller types of meetings, those smaller conferences, uh, the long weekends, all of those type things. I don't think we'll be seeing a lot of those coming back. I think a lot will be moved to virtual, but then you will have much more important in-person events. Um, and also when I think of hybrid, it will become the most important events in my opinion, that are turned into hybrid. We all know it requires different budgets. You know, the budgets will be higher to accommodate that and you will have higher quality productions, but they won't do that for every single event uh, through the year. So that is my take on things and my humble opinion that we will see a lot of in-person coming back, but um, also scale down and then also perhaps... Um, more rotational, like I see a lot of the requests that I'm getting now for larger events to split up the groups and do rotation types of scenarios and people still feel safer traveling in smaller groups, uh, which I understand. When it comes to hybrid, there will be much more multi-hub type scenarios, but that is mostly, in my opinion, for the larger companies and corporations that have the budgets to do that, because a lot of medium-sized companies are talking about it, but once they realize what goes into it or the type of budget that is required, they quickly pull out. So I don't think that is necessarily where we're headed, uh, that everything is going to be hybrid. Not at all. I think we will see smaller in-person events and then maybe your one annual one or two major events a year where the budgets are higher, whether it be in-person or hybrid, and they will be very beautiful productions. And then all the smaller scale stuff like the traveling to meet someone to just discuss a contract that will basically, in my opinion, move more to digital. So companies will be saving on their general travel budgets and uh, and maybe increase their, their budgets in terms of the bigger productions, I think. Do you agree with that or what's your take? Um, I've heard all sorts of different versions. Um, I do agree that there's a little bit of a backlash and I think people do want to sort of um, kind of not think about technology for a little while. Um, yeah. But I think that I think that backlash may also be a bit biased, you know, because I think when we when we hear these things, we're hearing this from the perspective of event professionals that are looking forward to a return to how uh, they used to do things two years ago. Um, and that I don't think represents necessarily the voice of people who are new or who've approached it from the digital uh, kind of side first, right? And of course, you know, people who've only been in the kind of event industry at large for the last two years are in a minority, thankfully, you know, you know enough of the industry survived. But I think it's 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 a it's a one-sided approach right and so i don't really know what the answer is i do think that hybrids may be more of a buzzword than an actual practical concept i think some events will be hybrid and can do very good hybrid experiences um but i think it's it's trendy to think that hybrid is the next big thing or is is what all events should be doing but it's very hard to do hybrid and i know that you've done a, a lot of different experiments and you've tried different things it's hard it's expensive and it's very intense right and so i think you're right i think in the sense that 
only events that really require this, you know, maybe important internal meetings where you do need to attend and you do need to connect in person and online people. And that is something that just, you know, you want to make sure happens. Then it makes sense to do a hybrid event when it's a content focused event, when it's a sort of an association event where you want to just deliver a lot of content. I don't know if you need to connect the audiences. I think, you know, no. connecting the audiences when everybody's watching the same speaker or the same session, that is relatively easy, right? That's sort of an online chat and you moderate that and you kind of do that. But when you when it comes to things like networking or kind of more intense connection, I think anytime you're trying to force an in-person audience to then go online and, and connect with a person online feels like you're introducing technology and it becomes a barrier rather than a, a facilitator. I think for the person online, it's great. It's like, oh, cool, I get to meet somebody on site. But for the person on site, it's like, why are you putting me in front of a computer now? I want to you know, enjoy the people here. I want to enjoy the, the room. I want to enjoy the champagne or whatever it is. So yeah, I agree. It's it's yeah. it's not going to happen for every event. And I think it's important to be able to choose which events and, and get the strategy right. Yeah, exactly. Bigger productions, higher budgets, more creativity, then it works. Then your computers become your floating balloons or lampposts or exciting stuff. And then you want to go talk to that person, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I, I think, yeah, I agree with you with, uh, with what you said. Um, not absolutely not every event should be hybrid. There is no way that that would work and it doesn't make sense totally. Mm -hmm. So it, it continue with this big picture idea and kind of to wrap up, do, do you have a, um, a clear vision? of what the future of the event industry or the future of maybe just your events and the ones that you want to be involved with, what they will look like in the future? Well, for me, um, I'm obviously going to continue with in-person events, but you, you've seen a lot of people in the industry and specifically on, on my side of things in destination management that have stuck to their old ways or that are kind of still in the same traditional place they were before. So they've basically, to the point of insulting us, have said, like, you are destroying our industry because, you know, you're going fully digital and you're promoting all things digital. And did they did not fully understand that this all of this digital stuff brings back a lot of business also in person to the destinations. So now I'm working a lot with different destinations on, on specifically that digital marketing, but also kind of um, the hybrid type of events that you can do with collaboration of different destinations that will reach larger audiences and make your destination attractive as an innovative destination, because that's basically the core of it for me, like position your yourself as a game changer and an innovator and people will be more excited to work with you whether it's in person or virtual and I can speak from experience now literally that those virtual events and the hybrid event we did has attracted uh, several millions of Norwegian Corona to the destination that I'm now planning for in-person events those are people that had never considered the destination before that got excited about it online and that's basically what we should be doing so my intention is to continue on that path to keep pushing the boundaries in terms of digital but also to have that help you grow with the in-person events and bringing business to wherever it is that you need your business to be right so for me it's about continuing on that path of finding the right balance between virtual and in-person and doing both things and being able to to offer both services and keeping ourselves continuously updated on what's happening in the the digital world event tech world you know just just keeping our eyes open and keep learning along the way and keep trying new things and keep experimenting so we are able to advise our clients to do the same and to deliver better so for me that's the right way to go but that doesn't mean it's the right way for everybody else i mean it's a personal choice isn't it like some people are really against everything digital and virtual and they don't want nothing or like anything to do with it they just want to keep producing in-person events and that's totally fine that's not a bad thing if you're saying i do only in person then you do only in person and you do it really well 
perfect, right? Not everybody needs to go that road uh, in terms of delivering virtual or hybrid as well, but that's a choice I've made with my company and that we are going to continue uh, developing ourselves in uh, towards the future. Because I think that post-pandemic, your digital identity and your digital communications will remain extremely important, if not become more important. We've already uh, had digital transformation starting before the pandemic. That's not something new. It just accelerated more and more and more and more. And you can see that all the major businesses are working with digital transformation when it comes to their processes internally. And a lot of their communications and meetings and events are also going to incorporate those factors. So for me, it's important to be ready to be able to handle that and to also to keep inspiring companies on how to bring out their internal innovation value in, in new and better ways. That's basically where we're headed, at least. Sounds great. And uh, I think if, if you're listening to the Event Manager podcast and you're completely against <coughs> digital events, then uh, <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's hard because we write a lot about digital events and technology, etc. But, but I definitely see part of the industry uh, very much uh, doing that. And, and I'm more curious where, how that would develop um, over the next few months and years if, if there will continue to be a backlash and there will continue to be people very much only focused on the the in-person side of things um or or will they bring more technology in um so interesting interesting point and interesting thing to look out for heidi uh very interesting talking to you it's always interesting to kind of get your your views on things and i think you always have a, a slightly different twist uh to to things which i think is, is very positive um so just to wrap up i wanted to uh get your uh, recommendation for who else we should invite as a guest on the podcast sure i mean plenty of people <laughs> that are doing exciting stuff but I was thinking about uh, Denise Mapp I don't know if you know Denise uh, she's actually doing some great stuff right now she's pr producing she has a, a resume that you would just you know you you'd be really impressed by she's just started her own uh, event company now uh, out of the pandemic called gravitas events and she produces events in london and new york uh, she has a, an incredible network she's also an incredibly positive person so i totally think that you should get in touch with her and learn a, bit, a little bit more about where she's coming from and what she's uh, what she's uh, going to do in the months and years ahead Sounds good. Denise Map, we'll have to uh, get your contact, get her contact details from you and yeah. uh, make that connection and hopefully have her as a guest on a future podcast. Heidi, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure and I wish you lots of success. And just to end, where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you? Thank you very much for having me. You know, the pleasure is entirely mine. I'm very honored to be on your podcast. People can connect with me basically everywhere at The Mice Guru on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Uh, you can find me by my name, obviously, on LinkedIn, The Mice Guru on YouTube, on Facebook, anywhere you want. You will. Uh, it won't be hard to find me. Great stuff. Thank you for joining us, Heidi. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Event Manager Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. For the latest news and the best articles on technology and innovation in the event industry, head over to eventmb.com.